Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today's subject is going to be sanctification, set apart for God. Not only did God save you, but he literally took you out of Satan's kingdom and set you apart for a whole new plan for your life. You like that? Let's find out what the plan of God is together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. For the past two lessons, we've been taking up part of eight lessons out of my book on Theology Simplified. Again, theology doesn't need to be that heavy. And you hear it and immediately, again, like I said, your eyes roll back in your head. No, it's not uh, really. Uh, the things that are found in the Word of God, even what we would call the heavy doctrines and stuff, these are redemption, sanctification. I call them the shuns. They all end in shun. But they are really simple things. And uh, really, they got some big words. But to break the words down, they become very simple. And we begin with the word redemption, the fact that we've been bought out of the slave market of sin. And redemption means to buy back. The second one we took up was justification. And justification simply means the exchange of our sin for God's righteousness. And today we're going to be talking about the doctrine of sanctification. The Greek word is hagiadzo. And it means to be set apart to God for a special purpose. In other words, as sinners, we were set apart for Satan and his work. And God now separates us and sanctifies us into his kingdom and then gives us a special purpose. And that is our calling, the gifts we operate in, the purpose of our ministry, all these things. And again, all these things are given different types of ministries to fulfill the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples out of all nations. And that's what we are to do, to get them saved in the next of all, get them to start growing in the things of God. All these words I'm giving to you are simply helps in your growth process to understand what God has done for you and wants to do for you and then through you into other people. Jesus didn't stay here to witness. He sent us to witness. Jesus didn't stay here to start building local churches. No, that's for us to do. And he's given all the equipment. He's given everything we need to accomplish this. And of course, that's what we're doing today. Sanctification means to set apart to God for a special purpose. There are three types of sanctification, and I'll be talking about all three of these in these lessons. The first type of sanctification and the second type of sanctification are found here in this life. I say in time. The third one will be in eternity. So the first two we can operate in now. And the third one we will not receive until we get into to God's heavenly realm. So the first one of the three types of sanctification is this. It's positional sanctification. We can't see this with our eyes or feel anything. It's just what the word of God has said has been done for us. It doesn't try to prove it. It just says, here's what happened to you. It's much like when you were born and your mother said, you know, she looked down and saw, you know, that you had curly hair. Well, you look up in the mirror now, you don't have curly hair. You think, well, what? Well, you have to just take her word for it. God has given us certain things in the word of God as positional truth. Just as I say, you're a son and daughter of God. You can't look at yourself and see it. No, you have to accept that by faith. And so parts of that a positional truth is, first of all, eternal sanctification through the blood of Jesus Christ at salvation. And this is sanctification. So this is part of our positional truth. We have eternal sanctification. What does that mean? I'm sanctified forever. 
I mean, get it through your brain. You're not sanctified today and not sanctified tomorrow. We will talk about with the second one, what sanctification is in front of the world. So we are sanctified, but then also we have to act sanctified, but we don't act sanctified to be sanctified. I am sanctified, so therefore I act sanctified. And if there's ever a mistake, if there's ever a sin, if there's ever a thing that needs to be corrected in my outward life, it doesn't affect my inward sanctification. It's through that inward sanctification, I can straighten out this outward sanctification. And so the first one is positional sanctification, eternal sanctification in God's presence by the blood of Jesus Christ, whether I know it or not. Accept it or not, I am seated with him in heavenly places. Know it or not, I have been made the eternal righteousness of God and Jesus Christ himself. Knowing it or not, I've been given authority through the name of Jesus. I can't see it. I can start understanding it, but it's not something I work for, earned, or deserved. It was given to me the moment I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. In fact, I've got a list of about 40 things that happened to you at the moment you were saved that are unfelt, unknown. It just happened. You know, I heard a man say one time, well, if, if I can't see the fact that you've accepted Jesus, when you accept Jesus, I want at least see a tear come down your face. I want to see a change of expression on your face. That has nothing to do with salvation. It might have to do with other things in the Christian life when we wake up to certain things. But I can tell you this, the moment you were saved, I heard one man say this. No, he said, I had a headache before I was saved. I still had the headache after I was saved. I received Jesus. And he said, nothing physical happened to me. And so we come back to it again that this sanctification, this positional happened without any feeling, without any notification, without anything we can see or feel anything. It just happened to us. And so salvation, position in Jesus Christ, the fact that I'm a priest before my heavenly father, I didn't know that till I found it out in the word of God and started functioning as it. So the second phase, though, is experiential. That's in our daily life. This is progressive. Our positional sanctification is not progressive. I am 100% the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. But in my natural life, that grows. I become more holy each and every day as I walk with Jesus. But my holiness in my positional truth is absolutely there. I am sanctified through Jesus, but I need to become sanctified through the world. What's in me needs to come out as it says in Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What's in me needs to come out. What's in me is 100% perfect. What comes out of me is progressive sanctification through the word of God. Let's go back for just a moment. What is it that sanctifies me positionally? Point number one, the blood of Jesus Christ. The moment I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, my sins are forgiven, washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. His life is exchanged for my life. He takes my sinful life and gives me his perfect life. That's point number one. But experiential sanctification comes through the word of God, learning to walk by the word. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Notice that might. The word is given to me, not that I will not sin against God, but I might not. If I apply it, I will walk through life without sin. If there's times I apply it, but I don't apply it right, I can end up in sin. There's times I don't apply it at all, and I end up in sin. There's forgiveness for that sin, but what God wants me to come back is to begin to walk again in experiential sanctification, day-by-day -day growth in the things of God. In other words, the first one is my salvation. The second one is my holiness or my godliness in front of the world. The working out, 
of internal sanctification so it can become visible or outward for the world to see. This is found in 1 Peter 1.16 because it is written, be holy as I am holy. It's interesting, there's two Greek words for be. Be holy as I am holy. If we just read that verse as it stands in the King James, here's what it sounds like, be holy. So we have to go, okay, and we grit and strive with everything in us to be holy. First of all, folks, that's not what it says. The first word for be is the word genomai, and it means to become. So it's written this way. The second word is ami, and that means to be. So literally what it says is, because it is written, here's God speaking to us, become holy as I am holy. In other words, my goal is to become as holy in my outward walk as God is himself. You say, that's impossible. Well, to be honest with you, that's the goal. God sets impossible goals in front of you. You know, he says he wants us to walk in health. How many of you walk in health today, never get sick at all? I haven't got there yet. I get sick a whole lot less than I used to. And when I do get sick, feel it coming on, I stand on the word of God. But I have not been brought to the point where sickness never comes at me at all, no. But that's what my goal is, to walk in divine health every day. But the other part here is this. I'm gonna get to the point where I'm as holy as God in my outward living as I am on the inside of me. You say, that's impossible. I know it is, but you know what? The point of it is you get better every day. I've said it so many times, I'd rather shoot for the moon and miss it than to shoot for the ceiling and make it. In other words, I wanna set my goal so high and every day, in fact, think about this as far as walking holy before the Lord. Instead, just look at today going, oh man, I still have a long way to go. Instead of seeing how far you have to go, ask yourself a question, how far have I come? Do I walk in more holiness today than I did 10 years ago, five years ago? The answer should be yes. Have I progressed in those years? Is there certain sins I used to have a real problem with now that aren't even a problem at all? The answer is yes. I've become more powerful through what's in me coming to the outside, the word in me, the Holy Spirit in me, the new birth in me, sanctification in me coming to the outside. The more I walk in it, the more my mind becomes renewed to the word of God. So the first one, positional, sanctification came through the blood of Jesus Christ. The second one, experiential, that we walk it out in front of people comes through the word of God. And the last one is ultimate sanctification of which we will receive a resurrection body. And this comes from God himself. The blood of Jesus Christ is what makes us sanctified. The word of Jesus Christ is what makes us experientially sanctified in life. But ultimate sanctification will come from the power of God himself. Ultimate sanctification comes in eternity. The believers will be receiving a resurrection body by God's power, and this will happen at the rapture of the church. Again, we can come back and even look at these three this way. Positional, experiential, ultimate is also spirit, soul, and body. Positionally, I am perfect inside of me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Next of all, my mind and the renewing of the mind is experiential. It's progressive. It's sanctification through the word of God. Not only do your word have I hid my heart, but these exceeding great and precious promises, 2 Peter chapter one, are given to us. That by them, them what? Them exceeding great and precious promises. You might be partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. The last one, ultimate sanctification, will be my body. That given by the power of God at the rapture of the church, when this mortal will put on immortality, this corruptible shall put on incorruption. So we're gonna to go to an explanation of each phase of sanctification and basically tell you when it comes. Positional sanctification was given to you the moment you were saved. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God's positional sanctification came to live inside of you. 
experiential sanctification is called godliness. And this is what happens between the point of the new birth and the day we die. And listen, if God, all God wanted to do was make you righteous, then he should have hauled you up there here into heaven. The moment you receive Jesus says, bam, we disappear because that's all that God wants. No, he left us here for a reason, to make converts and to make disciples. And also for us to walk in holiness before them, not only teach and preach a testimony, but to let them see a testimony in my life that now I walk with God every day. And they can see that walk to where they look at you and they not only hear a message from you when you talk about Jesus, they see you live it out in front of them. And the world needs to again see a testimony more than they need to hear one. And we need to show them not only are we born again, but we live like Christians. This is a process that we live in. All these things are given unto us that we can take what God has given to us and show it to the world and give it to the world to where even the world will come to us and ask us what's different about us. Not only do we go and preach the gospel to people, people come and ask about the gospel to us. Jesus preached to multitudes, but there was a time when Nicodemus came to him and said, I look at you and you've got something I don't have. I want it. And Jesus led him to the Lord. It doesn't say they're led to the Lord, but later on he showed up at the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was placed in the in the grave, he was there. He came as a helper, more like a pallbearer. And again, we see that this is what God left us in this world for, is to leave our testimony in front of other people. I'll see you right after the break. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This understanding will allow you to walk in more maturity and stability in your Christian life. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. The purpose of God's heart for giving is to be a guidebook to scriptural giving, returning believers to the highest reason for godly prosperity, giving to the work of the local church and to the great commission of winning souls. When we give with the right motive, our personal prosperity is a return on giving out of love for God and a love for people. When we give our temporary money into an offering, it will produce eternal results in the lives of others. God's heart for giving is made up of 52 short outlines that make up a thought, not a sermon. These giving inspirations can be divided into more individual thoughts or can be made into a full teaching for a later sermon or series on giving. To order God's heart for giving, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I want to give you an explanation on each part of this. Again, three parts to sanctification and really positional sanctification, experiential sanctification, and ultimate sanctification. Sanctification is the only one that's brought out so strongly in the outward life and then eventually into eternity. You know, we talked about two other parts. We talked about our salvation, and that was when we talked about redemption. We talked about justification, and justification was mentioned also in the outward life we live, but nothing like sanctification. Sanctification is taught over and over and over again, and actually, it seems like it's taught more in the outward life than it is in the inward life. I know I'm sanctified, but God simply says there comes a time when the world needs to see your salvation, needs to see that you've been born again. So positional sanctification uh, on the inside of it's a salvation, but also before the world. In other words, Jesus not only came to save us from our sins, but he also came to save us from sinning. Why is that important? Because there's so many people that Christians, I mean, listen, honestly, dumb Christians, as far as I'm concerned, that teach it doesn't matter if you sin in front of the world. It doesn't matter what you do in front of the world. It doesn't matter if you live in sin out here. No, no, you were born again and all your sins were forgiven here at the, because of the cross. I agree with that. All your sins were forgiven, but those are the sins that came up to that point because you couldn't handle it. Now that you're born again, when you sin, you can handle it. Why? Because only a priest can bring his sins before the Lord. You weren't a priest before you became born again. You went to the one who was the high priest and confessed to him that he is your savior and your Lord and you became righteous. But what was given to you at that point was a priesthood. You have to learn to operate in it to where now you can come boldly before the throne of grace. No sinner can come before the throne of grace. He can only present himself before Jesus. Jesus sanctifies him, saves him, justifies him. And then now as a priest, he can come before his great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. You as a Christian can come boldly before the throne of grace. And there's a number of things you can do. You can come before the Lord in prayer. You can come before the Lord in praise, but you can also come before the Lord when you confess your sins. First John 1, 9 was not written to sinners. It was written to those of us who are priests and a priest can exercise First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, when you get born again, you don't confess your sins. You confess the Lordship of Jesus and your sins are forgiven. But from that time on, you have the right and the privilege and the necessity that if you do sin, you come and bring it before us, your advocate, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. This was true in the Old Testament. Proverbs tells us that anyone as a believer who confesses his sins and turns from it will be prospered. God simply brought the same out there. In the Old Testament, David, after he had sinned, and he had sinned for a year, he had, again, should have been at battle in chapter 11 of Second Samuel. He should have been at battle, but he stayed home just geographically out of God's will. By being geographically out of God's will, he wandered around the house, was bored, saw a woman bathing, uh, naked. And you say, why was she bathing where people could see her? Because she thought all the men were in battle. She didn't know David stayed home. And the men who did stay at home were out on the garden in the front gates. There was no men in the city, but David saw her because he was where he should not have been, lusted after her, brought her in, committed adultery with her, got her pregnant. Then to try to disguise the pregnancy, he brought her husband home to go to bed with her and her husband wouldn't go to bed. He was out at battle, came home and told this to David. You think I'm gonna go home and sleep with my 
my wife when the men are intense out there? He said, that is wrong before God and wrong before you. I'm serving you in the military and I'm serving God as a believer. And instead of David getting convicted, he had the man murdered, had the man killed. And then later on in chapter 12, she had the baby and the baby died. I mean, all this stuff just crashed in on David. What did David do after that in the Psalms? And also before Nathan the prophet, he made this simple phrase, I have sinned against the Lord. And and immediately the prophet said to him, your sins are forgiven. I noticed that the moment he said, and you know what? It wasn't each sin that he named. He simply named his sins and all of them were forgiven. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If there's unknown sins around your known sins, the moment you confess the known sin, all the unknown sins are forgiven also. Oh, the grace of God. But God can't do that for an unbeliever. He's not a priest. Positional sanctification, experiential sanctification, and ultimate sanctification. Let me give you an explanation of each one. Positional sanctification, again, instantly happens at salvation. Every believer is in union with Christ. All that Jesus Christ possesses, we possess. But we don't know about it. It's unfelt, unseen. We learn about it after we get born again. The means of positional sanctification comes by the new birth and the power of the Holy Spirit. Positional sanctification lets us live with God forever and forever. And it doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts down here. I'm not a child of God when I get to heaven. I'm a child of God the moment I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. I become a sojourner. I become a pilgrim. Those words are used in the New Testament, meaning I don't belong here. I'm just passing through. I've got another destination. It was said in Hebrews chapter 11 that that Abraham lived in a tent and called himself also a sojourner, called himself also a pilgrim in this earth. Positional sanctification allows us to live with God forever. Again, not starting when we get to heaven, starting at the moment of the new birth. At the point of positional sanctification, when I receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I become a member of the church and so do you. The called out ones, sanctified or separated from Satan's kingdom but brought into God's kingdom. I'm no longer a son or a daughter of Satan. I am a child of God. Jesus said to the religious leaders, said, you're of your father, the devil. That wasn't just true of religious people. It's true of anyone that is not born again. Before you were born again, you were a child of Satan, born through Adam's transgression, but also born through Adam's transgression against God and for Satan. And he joined Satan's kingdom. He became attached to death instead of to life. And at that moment he did that, he died and uh, uh, Eve died and they brought children into this earth that were all dead. But the point of it is death passed upon all men, but we had no choice in it. But Jesus Christ offers eternal life. It's the free gift of Jesus Christ, but you must receive the gift. When asked how can be saved, Paul simply told the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, and you will be saved. So that's positional sanctification. What about experiential sanctification, which is godliness? Experiential sanctification, again, is progressive. It's called godliness, produced in time. It's here on earth, and it's the maturing of the mind, the the soul of us becoming mature, as it says in chapter 12 of the book of Romans. And this is the process of the renewing of the mind. This is a process of spiritual growth. Notice inwardly, we do not grow. We're full grown. But outwardly, we do grow day by day. This is spiritual maturity. We become the called out ones of the world's system. 
Sanctification in life and godliness is produced by our intake and application of God's word. Not only do I take the word of God in, I apply it to the situations of life. And that's where sanctification comes from the inside of me and is seen before the world. Ultimate sanctification, which is the resurrection, occurs instantly when all believers will be given a resurrection body. The first form of sanctification, and that is positional truth, is instantaneous. In the moment, the twinkling of an eye, we become a child of God, but also ultimate sanctification occurs at the end when we receive a resurrection body, and that also is instantaneously in the moment, a twinkling of an eye. It's the one between our daily walk with God that is progressive, grows a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and we really never totally arrive in life. I believe we'll be learning throughout all of eternity. This is what God's plan for us is. So there's ultimate sanctification, which is the resurrection. It occurs instantly when all believers will be given a resurrection body. That's the rapture of the church. Until the rapture of the church occurs, all church age believers who die go to heaven in spirit form, waiting for their new body. In fact, we're told in Hebrews, in chapter 12 of Hebrews, that in heaven is the spirits of just men made perfect. So their spirits are there. Uh, and so then the body will be attached to it later at the resurrection. And so again, ultimate sanctification is ultimate, is blamelessness before God in a human body. And it's a resurrected human body. It's a body made out of eternity and made from our spirit. So it will be, again, a body that can be touched and handled just like Jesus Christ was. Ultimate sanctification converts the body of Christ into the bride of Christ. Other passages dealing with this, Philippians 3.21, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 2 also tell of these. Why, and I'm going to emphasize this, is there a need for temporal sanctification? Why is there a need for us to walk before the world? Because the world sees daily the results of Satan. No one in this world probably has ever seen Satan himself. Maybe he's manifest himself, but they don't need to see him. They see his works everywhere. They see his actions everywhere. They see his results everywhere. Death and the slavery and all the different things that the world has are all brought up before the, before the world. They see these things all the time. And what happens is they basically know there's a real devil out there. They need to see us because God won't come down and just show himself in front of the world. He shows himself through us. We need to show there's a greater power in this world and declare greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you can have the greater one living in you. He is a free gift. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14 through 18 says this, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. This isn't just, uh, this isn't just marriage. Just talk about in anything. We can be friendly with the world, but we're not supposed to be good friends with the world, not intimate friends with the world, but no, we are to be friendly. So do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, another name for Satan? So we say, literally, what accord does Jesus Christ have with Satan himself? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them, walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Look, here's the result in verse 17. Therefore, come out from among them. Quit hanging around the world. Quit acting like the world. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So again, we come back to it. God has called us to not only be born again, but to live for God in front of the world. The world needs to see Jesus Christ in us. 
I've told the story before, but when I got my first job, I lost my temper one day. I'd been raised in church, gone to youth groups and all that. But after I'd been working there for probably six or seven months, something happened, I lost my temper. And the lady in the checkout stand, I was sacking groceries, said to me, I've never seen you lose your temper. And suddenly struck me. I had been living for Jesus, not even thinking about it. I had been showing Jesus without even thinking about it. And this is what God wants, for us to unconsciously show Jesus Christ to us because it's such a way of life. We don't know how to live as a sinner. We don't even know how to take on their language, begin to take on their actions. We simply live for Jesus Christ. And so also we have, because we're in the New Testament, and that it was not available in the Old Testament, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, my body becoming the temple of the Holy Spirit. I can not only listen to the Word of God, I can listen to the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit in my life and live to be pleasing to the Word of God and live to be pleasing to the Holy Spirit, thus be pleasing to God. So this is what God wants. How do we get sanctified again? Through the Holy Spirit, but also by His Word. John 17, 17, Jesus said to the Father, sanctify them by your truth, your Word, is truth. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.